every position I got a diamond at. But if I'm not getting a Mushu, you ain't getting a Jeremy. <laughs> what? I feel like a young Omar. Come right to us. We're very friendly. <laughs> Much love. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to Going Deep with Matthew and Jeremy. This is your host, Jeremy Altrul. Thanks, guys, for all coming back. Uh, it is just me today, no Maddie. However, that is okay. I got you guys. We are coming off a huge weekend. Um, let's start off with the big pick, the big game, the big game Super Bowl in Tampa. First time ever the team has ever hosted, or any team has hosted. The Super Bowl. Tampa Bay came in and they dominated. 31 to 9 score. Tom Brady, your Super Bowl MVP. Tom Brady, seven rings. Wow. That is amazing when you look at it. And, you know, we're going to get into Tom Brady. Um, Played well, did everything he needed to do. But I want to go ahead and start off. With the Chiefs. A lot of people say Patrick Mahomes did not show up. I say they're wrong. I think Patrick Mahomes showed up and the rest of the team kind of didn't help him out. Uh, final stat line, 26 of 49, 270 yards, two picks. Should also have two touchdowns. Two passes hit the receivers right in the face mask. While in the end zone. And one of them, this dude was throwing it like freaking Superman, laid out and still made a miraculous throw in. Those two touchdowns changed the whole complexion of this game. Tampa Bay is not as in control. The Chiefs got momentum. There's an opportunity there. Yes, the defense gave up 31 points. Yes, there's a lot of ticky-tack fouls against the Chiefs. However... At the end of the day, when you play Tom Brady in any playoff game, you have to come out and be perfect, absolutely perfect, in order to beat him. That wasn't the Chiefs this time. That was not the Chiefs. Instead, Tampa Bay came in and played amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, they showed they were the best team in the NFL. Uh, Tom Brady, 21-29, three touchdowns, 201 yards, barely top 200 yards. And it seems like they were just rolling the whole time. Defensively, getting to Pat Mahomes. I can't say Pat. They said no no Pat. Getting to Patrick Mahomes every freaking two seconds. He was the most, I think the stat came out, like the most hurried quarterback. But blitzed the least amount. That is insane. Absolutely insane. The O-line just could not handle Tampa's front four. I felt bad for the man. He looked like he was running a mile every two seconds, going scrambling left and right, making throws. I would say, he did have a couple errant throws. I think he missed Tyreek Hill at one point for a touchdown. But that man is just running around left and right, doing everything he can in order to not get sacked. It was incredible. Oh, my gosh. It was incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, but hats off to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Getting that Super Bowl, I believe, before Tom Brady, they were the most 
losing franchise. Is that what I want to say? They had the lowest win completion or percentage of any team in the top four sports in America. Ridiculous the effect Tom Brady has on one club. Um, there's so much to go into it. Into it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and hold off a little bit just for Matt so that we can have the conversation next one. But I just wanted to go ahead and get that update. Like I said, 31-9 Tampa Bay Buccaneers are your Super Bowl champions. But there's a lot of talk that the GOAT, you know, greatest of all time, can no longer be applied to Patrick Mahomes throughout his career. No matter what he does, he will never be able to get that title. And I look at it, and I think that's a wrong statement to make. It's not that he didn't show up this game. The man was running for his life the whole damn game. The man made two phenomenal, look at that, phenomenal. Make sure you get your phenomenal merchandise at goingdeepwithmatthewjamery.com. But two phenomenal throws, hits the receiver in the face in the end zone. He did everything he possibly could. So to me, the GOAT conversation is not gone yet. Yes, this is a chance to really take that first step and stride into becoming it, but he is not done with his career, obviously, and I think he can still reach that pinnacle point. But he's going to have to go on a, a tear, an absolute tear the next decade. If he wins probably three Super Bowls in the next decade, I think he's going to be right there with it. I think that puts him at about 35, 36. He wins a couple more. I think he still has a chance to tie Brady. I think they're just that damn good. Now you go to the other side. The question has to be made, is Tom Brady the greatest of all time in any sport now? 7 of 10 Super Bowls. Yes, Jordan has 6 of 6, but remember, Jordan, what's the way to put it? Jordan was stopped for many years before he kind of started winning, right? Does a three in a row, retires, come back, another three. He's only there six times. Tom Brady has been there a whole decade. Half this man's career has been in this. He's made the Super Bowl. And you have to acknowledge that. Now, there's an argument for LeBron. Well, why isn't LeBron the best if he's made so-and-so championships and five in a row, six in a row, whatever it is? The difference is he didn't win. If you win, then it means something. To me, getting there and not getting there is not that as big of a deal. Because what are you, first loser if you don't win it? There's nothing there. At the end of the day, you still lost. You didn't win the championship. Now, the 7 out of 10 is a little bit different because of the age Brady did it at. At, what, 42 years old, he moves over to a whole new system, whole new organization, goes off and wins the Super Bowl. And in this fashion, incredible, absolutely incredible. Now, the only argument you could make with Jordan is that Jordan plays both sides, right? Offense, defense, more will on the game. Rather than Tom Brady comes out for a drive, whatever it might be, five, ten plays, if if not more. And then the defense has to go and do the rest of the job, right? So that's the only question here. Um... But, yeah, man, it's tough. It's tough. I think there's a conversation to be had there. Um, Like I said, brief episode, saving some of it for Matt when he comes back because I think we can get into it and have a great show on it and great discussion. Um, But I do want to say congratulations to the eight Hall of Famers. 
Actually, before I get to the Hall of Famers, there's something else I need to point out about this Super Bowl. An incredible feat was happened this past Sunday. Three women made NFL history, Super Bowl history, and I think it's an amazing, amazing accomplishment and the right step forward in the way we kind of, I don't want to say include, but it is including women in our fee- in our professional sports the way they should be. NFL referee Sarah Thomas was the first woman to ever officiate a Super Bowl. That's an amazing feat right there, right? Let's move on to the next one. Tampa Bucks' Lori Locust, assistant D-line coach, is now a Super Bowl champion. Not only her, but Morel Java Defar, assistant strength and conditioning coach, Super Bowl champion. You look back and it's crazy to see how much forward we've come in this era, right? Watching women step up and doing different things within our professional sports, whether it's becoming a coach, officiating, strength and conditioning. There are so many positions out there. If I'm not mistaken, the Bucks part owner or co-owner, whatever it may be, is like one of the first women to win it too. Amazing. And there's only so much more that's going to happen in the future, little by little. I know the Red Sox hired, um, I think she was a hitting specialist, female hitting specialist. These things are going to happen. It's only a matter of time before we see the first woman in NFL uh, or MLB, NHL, whatever it's going to be. MLS. It's only a matter of time, and I just can't wait for it to happen. Congratulations to those three women. Hopefully they hear this and they understand the magnitude of what they did because they are setting it off and setting the right example for the women coming forward in the next generation. Now, my Hall of Famers. I want to say congratulations to these people, too. First ballot, Peyton Manning, quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts and Denver Broncos. I think five-time MVP. Amazing, absolutely amazing, well-deserved. Charles Woodson, Calvin Johnson, Megatron. Can't ever forget him. Drew Pearson, Alan Feneca, Bill Nunn, John Lynch, who is, I believe, the GM for the 49ers. And Tom Flores, congratulations to those eight men. And there's not much else to say. Hall of Famers with three first ballot ones right there. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. That's just our NFL segment right now. Now we go out west. We come home to L.A. You know... We talked about this a long time ago. What would happen if Trevor Bauer, who had said he wanted to be a Dodger, came to the Dodgers? What would that rotation look like? What would that deal look like? Because he's supposed to be a one-year kind of guy and this, this, and that. And ladies and gentlemen, it happened. It happened. The Los Angeles Dodgers signed Trevor Bauer to a three-year, $102 million deal with an opt-out after year two. Amazing. And then not only that, Bauer set to make $40 million in 2021 and $45 million in 2022, making him the highest earned player in those two years. This deal is amazing. Andrew Friedman needs a pay raise because he has come out and made deals that, 
you know, we don't really see happen often. He has not been willing to commit the years to these guys because we've seen people break down, struggle to live up to the contract, maybe puts the team in a bad position later on, whatever it may be. But he went out and he got one of the best pitchers in baseball to sign only a basically it's a two year eighty five million dollar deal. At the end of the day, that's what it's gonna be. But he got him to agree to that. He went ahead, pushed the money up, and said, Hey, we'll give you more money to play less years. I believe this was offered to Bryce Harper and he turned it down and took the years over the money is what I think it was because it was like the same amount of money just less years. So this is an incredible, absolutely incredible signing. That rotation has to be the most dangerous rotation ever assembled. You have, to me at least, Coases and Clean Kershaw, Walker Bueller lined up right after them, Trevor Bauer. You can just pencil two guys, two scrubs in right after them, and you'll probably still win 90 games. But no, let's go ahead, and I'm going to go ahead and put in my four slot, Dustin May. Wow. The guy who's supposed to be the next big thing, right? Super nasty fastball. Got the slider. Great pitcher. Then you move over. Who could be your fifth guy? How about the guy that closed out the 2020 World Series, Julio Urias? Not a bad name, right? Okay, you don't like that one. How about former Cy Young winner, David Price, who is still with the Dodgers? If you don't even like the lefty, here, let me throw out another righty for you. Tony Gonsolin, who has shown can pitch at the major league level. You know, uh, I know Matt didn't like him in the playoffs. To me, it was just that he didn't get the innings that he needed um, and didn't really know his role because he sat out for two weeks and they're like, hey, go out there and pitch and start a game in the playoffs when we're down. Very, very difficult thing to do. But I still believe in him. I think he's a great, great rotation guy, whether he's a two, three, maybe probably lower in two, but a high three. Just because he has some dirty stuff. He's absolutely nasty. But this rotation is absolutely ridiculous, and the trade can still be made to kind of get rid of some of the depth and you have him pitching right now. Go out, get another starting caliber guy. Maybe it's a reliever. I'm sorry, a bullpen arm. Maybe you want a left fielder. Maybe you want a third baseman because your current third baseman may not resign. Justin Turner, we still don't know what's going on there. It's all up in the air. But there are so many moves being made, and I just can't wait to get the season started. Now, you can also look at it on the other side. Hey, we're back to 162, and life is still not normal. Who knows what their regiments are like? Maybe we need this starting depth. Maybe we can go with the six-man rotation and get these guys all built up to pitch about 150 innings. I'm sure they can get all seven guys to pitch it. Some starting bullpen, coming out of the bullpen, starting here, there, spot start, whatever it may be. But I am so excited for this 2021 season. It it was already going to be boom or bust with the Dodgers, but now it's on a whole nother, like level of boom or bust. These guys absolutely have to win it. And I don't think they have to do it in a dominating way. I just think that they just got to win it. Um, division's going to be so much fun. You know, San Diego got a bunch of starters down there. Snell, you Darvish. But I think this one, absolutely total upgrade. 
Oh my goodness, I just can't wait. You guys should see right now, my hairs are going up on my arm. I am so excited for the 2021 season. There is so much more news out there, guys. I just wanted to give a brief update on what's been going on and hope you guys enjoy this episode. Thank you for listening. Once again, thank you for listening to, to Going to Connect with Jeremy. This is Jeremy Ultra signing off. Much love, everybody.